The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to The Real Money Show. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm joined with Jerry Karaya. The phone number 1-866-274-9570 or 1-8778-SILVER and the website guildhallwealth.com. Welcome to another edition of The Real Money Show. Today we're going to talk about Basel III rules. What is that? Is that from Austin Powers? No, it's about banking, and we're going to get into some details about that, remind you of how important it's going to be with the new Basel III rules and gold. We're also going to get into some physical metal demand. We had a great interview last week with Steve St. Angelo, and I thought uh, it would be great to bring another recent article of his just talking about just how much demand for physical gold and silver there has been uh, throughout the world in the last year. And as well, we might as well talk about Bitcoin, right, Jerry? Because it is going, uh, it has been uh, experiencing a decline. And for some reason or other, the mainstream media is still attaching this comparison between gold and Bitcoin in there. So maybe we'll, we'll start with, with that. Uh, again, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. And let's jump into this Bitcoin decline. First of all, was that expected? Uh, yeah, I think it is expected to see the volatility. We're getting a lot of attention from the mainstream now. A lot of uh, actors in the in the market, some uh, um, some celebrities in the market now getting on getting on board and voting. Elon Musk is one of them, um, having a lot of influence in the in the Bitcoin sphere, uh, Dogecoin sphere. But this is expected because. Uh, this is still the cryptocurrency space is still very young, um, uh, only about 10, 12 years old. So we have to anticipate these type of whipsaw events. Um, so it's important as well for us to um, be observant of this, not really discount it or dismiss the market per se, but just understand, okay, these are the other counterparties involved in, in Bitcoin. Uh, when discussing the comparison, uh, the, the, this gold 2.0 is Bitcoin, the new gold. And it's very important for us to bring these events, what's going on with Bitcoin, and then compare it with gold. Well, there's been a, a bunch of articles coming out across uh, Bloomberg's desk. And they, they seem to be, they're kind of hit pieces, actually, on, on crypto and Bitcoin. For some reason, they've decided to pile on to that. But one in particular, the, the title was, Bitcoin's claim of rivaling gold as a portfolio hedge loses luster. So I thought, hey, let's let's bring this to the attention of our audience. Let's kind of throw out that comparison again and see where it lands. What, the way this article starts, it says, a one-day swing of 31%, a slump amid a jump in U.S. inflation, right? Gold is rising on those expectations. Ever more critical regulatory scrutiny being another one, and Bitcoin delivered all of these in the past few days, undermining its claimed role as a portfolio portfolio hedge rivaling gold. I read another one somewhere Jerry was it was saying that was saying it it's not it's not performing very well as money in the sense that it, you can't really buy anything with it. I mean, we proved that with Elon Musk. Um, we've had our own issues with it over over time. It's it's slow. It's becoming more costly. It just seems a very difficult thing to actually be able to spend Bitcoin. The other side of it, of course, is the volatility that's happening, which makes it not a place to store value in that regard. 
Now, I guess we could argue, or someone could argue, hey, if I bought it at fifteen thousand and it's trading at forty thousand, I'm still well ahead. I've kept my value, but nonetheless, there is that volatility. Let's talk about the fact that the one claim on crypto again, we don't have a problem with crypto. There, there's lots of money to be made up and down. However, people are making the money. Sure. It's fantastic. But in terms of just really comparing it to a, a place to store wealth, that's the question, right? So let's talk about the fact that uh, we've seen the volatility in the market, and the major claim on crypto is that there's a finite amount of it. W what is your your take on on that argument alone? That there's only so many, let's say, coins, and I put that into major bolded air quotes. Mm -hmm. And that may be that may be the case. There may be a finite amount, but there's no finite amount of scaling and how how fractionally uh, or how divided Bitcoin can be. How divisive is it? You can really go back, you know, move that decimal decimal point a few thousands over and create a fraction of a fraction of a Bitcoin. So this is where it becomes uh, iffy thing. This article that you brought is is a good one, and I think. Um, they hit the nail on the head with regards to not calling it a hedge. You know, your hedge has to be something that can defend against things like inflation. Uh, very hot topic today. Um, and it's clear your Bitcoin will not be a hedge against that. It won't be a hedge against other tailwind risks. It's more of a lottery ticket. And for us, we see that as a, as a you know, you got you to gotta have a card. You have to have your ticket to be in the market. Um, You're talking about crypto? About crypto for, right. some, from, for some top side potential. Everyone everyone wants to make money. Right. It's just not your hedge against banking failures, financial calamities, inflation, things that gold handle. Well, let's talk about what you just said about the decimal points. Do you think that that would maybe add to the volatility of it? Because the idea is if, you know, if cryptos, if Bitcoin's trading at 50,000 plus, but you can still buy $500 worth and it's very easy to buy and sell it, then then the tendency to treat it like, you know, running from table to table at a casino is is there. You can you don't like something, I can sell my my thousand dollars worth or my my twenty thousand dollars worth, whatever table you're at. Are you at the small table or the big table? Yeah. Um, but you can easily just do that. So unlike gold, for instance, where you buy an ounce, you buy an ounce, and it's not so easy. It is liquid, yeah. but to sell it, you have to get in your car, drive it somewhere, right, and sell it or pick up the phone and make that make that call and, and make that sale. So I just think maybe they're both as liquid, but perhaps the, the infrastructure to be able to buy and sell rapidly yeah. um, on the crypto, plus the fact that you have these buying it in, all, in these increments that are way below what its actual cost is, wouldn't that add to the volatility? It certainly should. And I, you know, I liken that uh, the, when you fraction a Bitcoin, it's sort of like having unallocated gold. You have so many shares and so much leverage in the market. And, and as this market adapts and becomes uh, very much like a, future, a futures market, you have ETFs, you have now inverse BTF, uh, Bitcoin ETF so that if you want to short Bitcoin, you can go ahead and do that. Add in all of the fractional Bitcoins out there. Certainly going to add a lot of volatility going forward. Besides that, the fundamentals right now. Early this week, the U.S. Federal Reserve Chairman spoke, Jer uh, Jerome Powell, 
and he got on the mic and he talked about Bitcoin, how it was not a good form of money because of the volatility, because of the swings of up and downs, not a good form of payments rather, um, and that the U.S. is going to be introducing its own white paper for a Federal Reserve uh, digital currency. And this is something that has been discussed. Gerald Salente was on the show uh, a couple weeks back and he talked about competition. Central banks do not like competition. So as far as headwind goes and volatility, I think right now the volatility will come from uh, the central banks and you know massive countries like China. Oh, they just cracked down. I just saw, just as I was printing these articles off, there was another article off that they're cracking down on mining in, in, the, in China. So Same headline. They're just saying it over and over again. They have been saying this for a while now, but that's it. You have one country with so much influence uh, on your investment, if it's an investment or your holdings or your asset. You know, too many counterparties at this moment for me to call it a hedge. So in order for you to call something a hedge or wealth insurance, it has to have zero counterparty risk like gold. Well, you know, Gold Telegraph uh, mentioned this in a tweet uh, several weeks ago. There's 11,000 cryptocurrencies. There are 180 fiat currencies. There are 118 elements and one element has been used for money throughout history and that's gold. So you've got a 5,000 year track history in gold. Um, you have uh, several years track history for digital currencies. Last week we were talking with Steve San Angelo and he was talking about the energy impact, which was the excuse that Elon Musk used to think, oh, that's why we're not using it because there was an energy thing, as if he didn't look into that way before. I mean, come on, buddy, yeah. you're a very smart guy. You already knew that, um, but it was a good reason. It was a good excuse at the end of the day as to why they didn't. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think in, in concluding this discussion, I don't think that we're looking at a replacement for, for gold in cryptocurrencies. I think one has the track record. One is an, an innate value. Innate value meaning you can melt it down, turn it into something else. It's always had value. It will continue to have value. Even if you're adding 2% a year to the world supply, uh, that, that is not a lot in, in comparison. So I think this is not about storing wealth versus speculation i think that's maybe where we're, right. we're leading with it yeah. one is about the and i and i would say one is about the future and one is about protecting what you have and is potentially the bridge to the future sure right exactly. if you have to convert your money into a fed coin down the road are you going to be converting it from a crypto that we don't know what the value is going to be or do you convert it from the gold which you know is protecting your wealth over these periods of time so don't like the comparisons. I think there's too many differences to really keep that comparison going. But we thought it was a good argument to just bring back to the table since it seems that the mainstream media is just slamming us back together to have that discussion. So, you know, hopefully that that added a little bit to um, to the thought process there. The number one eight seven seven eight silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. In the next segment, let's talk about unallocated gold. Maybe some of the headwinds against gold is is unallocated gold a good thing for gold right now? a bad thing for gold right now? Are we looking at the um, gold pool collapse of 2021, the London gold pool collapse like we saw at the end of the 60s? Let's get into the gold market. Again, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. You're listening to The Real Money Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 
Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm joined by Jerry Karaya, and we're talking about physical precious metals. Now, uh, just before break, we said we're going to talk about Basel III. Well, the last time we spoke about this, Jerry, was actually March of 2019. This was a story that was breaking and now is coming back into the fold. And this is talking about the Bank of International Settlements. And the mandate of the BIS is to serve central banks in their pursuit of a stable financial system. The new Basel III rules says gold is a zero-risk asset. In other words, gold has re-entered the financial system and can now be used 100% as collateral for banks to assist in their overall stability. So what this is talking about is that back in 2019, we knew that the new Basel III rules were going to come come in at some point. Well, here they are. They're about to come in, so it's time to start talking about it again and the impact that this that these new rules could potentially have on the physical gold market. It directly relates to the physical gold market and in contrast on how it relates to the unallocated uh, gold contracts. On uh, Coming up next month on June 28th, um, a new regulation will be set into place that disvalues unallocated paper gold paper contracts held against lendings. So the key principles of Basel III is that the bank needs to have or uh, certain capital requirements about 7% in good money. So the ba- so the Bank of International Settlements basically says what is good money, what is bad money. We know cash is tier 1 capital. Now gold will be tier 1 capital as well, 100% uh, worth towards going towards their to deleverage their lendings. So again, up until the until next month Gold has not been was taken away out of the tier one asset. Now it's being put back into the tier one asset, as good as cash. So there's cash and there's gold. How was it? How was it used before when it was not a tier one asset? What did they? What did the banks need to have? Did they have to have physical? Could they have paper? And what what good was it for? How much could they use against their books on that? The they would be able to use unallocated gold, okay, and it would and it would be weighted up to fifty percent of its value. Okay, so if you had a hundred contracts, fifty percent of that would be going towards the good money on the balance sheet. So I liken this very much to uh, just for under uh, uh, everyday understanding, like a mortgage. If you needed to purchase a property, you put down a down payment. You need some good money down, five percent down, twenty percent down, and then you can finance the balance and own a house. Okay. Uh, similarly, the banks need to have a very strong balance sheet in order to deleverage their lendings, all of their lendings. So they need to have something there and it needs to be the, hit the requirement of 7%. So this stress test is coming up in June 28th. So before, if we're using the, the, the home analogy, before they could use 50% of their unallocated paper gold holdings, 50% of it, as as collateral, as, as as something to put up to things. So if you had a hundred million dollars in gold paper, paper, you could use fifty million of that in paper to use as collateral for things. Yeah. But now they're moving that from a fifty percent allocation of paper to a hundred percent allocation of the physical. That's right. Um, so yeah, exactly. So 
like previously banks could hold gold on their balance sheets all unallocated and the key takeaway here is that they're removing the value of unallocated gold and this is going to put pressure so they're disvaluing the unallocated gold that is on their balance sheets right uh, and you can only hold now tier one capital and which is the physical gold and that is the difference between unallocated paper gold and physical physical will last physical is the real money and it always comes back to physical the real tangible asset that is the, what is intrinsic and and will last the, the this is the enormous opportunity we've seen we've reported this back in march of 2019 as you mentioned and ever since then gold is up about 36 percent and this trend is only going to continue Okay, so for those who are just joining us, the number one eight seven seven eight silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. We're talking about the Bank of International Settlements. Is it, they've been doing this for a while. They've known people. The banks have known that this is going to be coming, and what they're doing is they're turning gold into a tier one asset. Banks that had unallocated gold now have to have allocated physical gold. This is very, seems very, very important to the to the physical gold market. We know that gold has moved up uh, significantly over the last couple of years. Would you say a big part of that is because these banks are getting in? Yeah, for us, it's definitely the awareness of what banks have to acquire now. And it's woken people like us up who understand the reality of the physical versus paper markets and to get it while the prices are low, while you have access to the physical. So if I'm looking at the gold market for the first time, Jerry, I'm thinking this would have a major impact on gold. Obviously, not just in a symbolic way of saying, hey, gold is a tier one asset. That should give me something to, to think about, um, especially in the face of cash and how much money is being printed and the value of the dollar going down. I would think, okay, getting it to um, a tier one asset is just step one. But now out of the tier one assets, it's probably the better of the two, gold versus cash. Um, going back to our first discussion, cryptos are not, uh, I'm going to assume cryptos are not part of the tier one asset as of yet. That's right. Okay. Maybe they'll try to get the Fed coin onto that. Probably. Maybe one of these days. Um, but we don't know the impact yet of what this is going to look like when those rules come into play. A lot of times people in our industry would say, okay, it's going to be happening on June 28th. What is this going to look like? Um, what do you think it's going to look like? Well, it certainly shows the importance of gold number one, but we're talking about a stress test here, which has to do with the solvency and the strength of the entire financial market, the global financial market, the, the banking system, and meeting requirements and becoming compliant a month from now. So this is very important, and it shows not only the importance of a potential default, perhaps, and a systemic crisis emanating from it could be from Europe. I mean, if, it, if someone sneezes over the ocean, we catch the cold. This is how important this is. We will all remember 2008. And this and we're 2008. What? <laughs> what happened in 2008? Well, ever since 2008, <laughs> we've added even more debt to that debt problem. I can't believe how in 2008, at the end of the day, by the time they, you know, by the time Bernanke was on the cover of Time magazine, how much people didn't care about how much money was created. I know gold and silver went up significantly because of the thought of 
inflation that could happen as a result. And you look back and you think, what a simpler time that was. Now you have, you know, Canada has printed, what, $360 billion very quickly. They're printing tens of billions of dollars a month on, on the Fed's balance sheets every every month. So, yeah, obviously having some gold as a basis for the banking system seems prudent at this point. The question really, again, I'm going to hammer back to you, is what kind of impact is that going to have on the price of gold when this finally hits? Now, let me let me add a little bit to that because – there was an article by Chris Powell, and we've had him on the show once um, from GATA, and um, that's the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. And just listen to the first part of, of this, this article. Pending the Basel III regulations emanating from the Bank of International Settlements could destroy the clearing and settlement system for unallocated, that is, paper or imaginary gold and silver. The London Bullion Market Association and the World Gold Council warned the Bank of England this week. Now, this was uh, just from a week ago. In a 58-page protest submitted to the Bank of England's Prudential Regulation Authority, the LBMA and the World Gold Council complained that the net stable funding ratio provision of the Basel III regulations would require the London Bullion Bank to hold funds offsetting 85% of the value of unallocated gold and they hold for their customers and the banks could not afford this. So basically, they've, they've offered up a 58-page protest saying, we can't do this. We can't. We cannot accommodate this. We can't comply to this. So again, how, how, how is this not going to be explosive for the price of gold and silver? This is going to be very explosive. Just knowing that the banks now, the, through these new changes, Basel III rule changes coming up, it's going to provide the banks with an enormous opportunity to address the debt, to potentially pay off majority of the debt, and makes gold very attractive uh, to accumulate before uh, this event and exchange inflated dollars for physical bullion. So this is the stage for silver and gold because we know that gold is going to be appreciating because of this and then we think we link the silver to gold ratio. It depends on how much debt that they want to pay off. It really depends on the gold price. If they need to pay off more debt, well they may have to do a revaluation on that gold price so that they'll have enough gold at a specific price to guarantee and back up all that debt. Ooh, okay. So I think you got it. I think I think what we figured out here is that if it's important enough for the Bank of International Settlements to say, here is your tier one asset. Here's your ticket. You've got a motive on the part of the major banks to actually increase the price on gold because it's their collateral. This has been that argument for $10,000 gold you know, going back almost uh, 5, 10 years. We've been hearing about this erroneous claim that gold can go to 10000 I mean, me as a gold guy and you know, FX trader, I scoffed at the idea. But when we understand the math behind it, it makes total sense, especially when you come down to how do we back up, you know, going looking at the down payment, how much good money do I need to buy my house? Well, you need a lot of good money with all that debt you have on your balance sheets. Good money is real money, and that is gold and physical silver. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. If you want to acquire physical gold and silver for your registered account, it's very simple. Go to the website. We offer a vehicle where we physically 
segregate the product and each account segregated so it's separated from all other accounts at the vault and then it's fully allocated to the client so the client receives the serial numbers of the specific products that they're holding in their account whether it's an RSP a TFSA, an RESP, a Lira, a Lyft, a Spousal RSP. And so what this means is you actually have direct ownership of your physical product in the registered account. Now that's something we've been offering for over five years and it's something now that the Bank of International Settlements, it appears, is actually demanding of their banks now. So nice to know we were ahead of the curve. You've been listening to The Real Money Show. We'll be right back. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com and you're listening on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. We've been talking about the new Basel III rules and the fact that gold is going to become a tier one asset as of next month, meaning that the banks have to hold physical gold, no longer having to settle with just unallocated or paper gold. They actually have to have the physical inventory. But the bonus for them is that they can use that physical inventory as 100% collateral on their books for whatever else they're doing, loans, etc. Jerry, anything else to add on that subject? Yeah, just to really summarize about these new rules for banks on June 28th. Well, previously, banks could hold gold on their balance sheets in the form of unallocated paper contracts, gold contracts, without holding physical gold in tangible forms. These paper contracts were considered as good as gold when it came to determining how much capital the bank needed to maintain on its balance sheet. So under the old rules, there was little incentive to hold physical gold, as it was only valued at 50% of reserve purposes. Basel III rules move physical gold from being considered a Tier three asset to be considered a Tier one. In summary, with regarding these new rules for banks coming up in June 28th, gold in unallocated paper contracts will no longer be considered an equal asset they're taking the value away from unallocated holdings. For this reason, banks using paper forms of gold to help meet reserve requirements will have to convert those positions to physical metal or else risk becoming too undercapitalized to continue to function. So we're talking about major banks and institutions and we have to kind of zero in on our own personal holdings. Do we have paper certificates in our holdings? Do we own any ETFs? Do we own Um, some other form of gold proxy to represent physical, well, this is a major problem. When you have banks now rushing, trying to convert these unallocated gold contracts into physical, we should be doing the same thing. But the problem is there's an imbalance between unallocated gold and paper gold contracts. We talk about the physical silver, how many shares of silver out there for every one ounce of gold, one ounce of silver, it's 1,000 to one. Similar for gold, it's about 100 to one. So there's a huge disconnect between the real and paper. The rush to real is on. The rush to real is real. The number one eight seven seven eight silver. The website guildhallwealth.com. Well, speaking of the the move into physical product, um, you know. Uh, 
Steve St. Angelo put out a, an interesting article over the past week just talking about the demand for the actual physical metal. And uh, he was saying that of the 201 million ounces of total physical silver bar and coin demand in 2020, the United States accounted for nearly 40% of that, 78 million ounces. Canada bought 7.9 million ounces. Um, now, this is the interesting part, and this goes to what you were just saying. While Americans purchased a lot of silver, they don't buy that much physical gold and physical silver, less than Germany. In other words, uh, Germany, sorry, Americans purchased 2.2 million ounces of physical gold compared to 5 million ounces of physical gold for the Germans. So he's just talking about it's interesting that, you know, because of their history of Weimar Germany and hyperinflation, they have a, a stronger inclination to the physical versus where a lot of people have an inclination towards ETFs, even if it's physically backed, it's not, it's not directly owned by them. A different mindset totally we're seeing between the East and the West. And we hear about it. We read about it all the time. We even meet people all, all the time regarding, you know, it really comes back to their history and what they've seen, what they've experienced in the past, whereas uh, Westerners tend to like to log into their computers and see... You mean like Americans or North Americans versus Europeans? Yes, yeah. Yeah, North Americans. We tend to like to log in and, and trade our assets, so if it's easy, we want that, but we really don't understand what the gold has done in the past for a particular person or a group of people or even a country, how gold has literally saved some civilizations. Um, we haven't seen that uh, that same type of attitude here as much in Canada. Now, he, he puts in uh, an interesting data point at the end. The total American physical silver investment from 2010 through 2020 was a little more than a billion ounces compared to 21 million ounces of physical gold. So what he's talking about there is the idea that because silver is so much less expensive than gold, you have so much more buyers into the physical silver market, and this is a very, very good thing. In other words, Americans have bought 46 times more physical silver than physical gold. And so looking at the silver story, the fact that only 1% or less of the population are actually buying physical metals, what happens when inflation is rearing its ugly head and people are saying, I need to get into something that's actually going to store value. I don't know if my stocks are going to keep up with inflation. I don't know if my property, these excess properties I have are keeping up with inflation. I need to get that real inflation hedge, gold, physical silver. What happens when you have that less than 1% of the population moving into that physical gold and silver? That is fireworks in my mind. It certainly is. When you have the potential tantrum of inflation, and then you have a potential tantrum with them trying to taper their balance sheets, which is another tantrum, your your stocks, your paper assets are going to get burned, frankly. That's why you want to have a position. And I know a lot of Americans follow the silver-gold ratio, so the silver does offer a little bit more topside potential. So you get best of both worlds. You have hedge, and you also have participation on the top side because when it when it takes off, we know. We saw this in 2010 to 11, where silver silver went up like four times from 08 to 2011. Well, speaking of topside potential, let's look at where the prices of metals are headed, how people can profit in this market. The number 18778 silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. We're going to get to all of that in the next segment. You're listening to The Real Money Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website guildhallwealth.com. We've covered a lot of things today, mostly talking about this idea of gold moving into a tier one asset. This is something that we started talking about back in 2019, and we do have a video of that up on our YouTube channel. So we definitely recommend getting caught up on the Basel III rules and how they're going to impact gold. As well, we've also been looking at just the impact of the physical demand anyway in the gold and silver market. We know that that's been continuing to rise. And over the course of the last five, six years, we've definitely seen a trend towards direct ownership. This idea of if you can't hold it, you don't own it. It's something that we offer here at Guildhall. And we do uh, subscribe to that idea of if you can't hold it, you don't own it. So when it comes to buying physical and storing physical gold, especially in registered accounts, the key factor is that the product is fully allocated to the client and they have the direct ownership. Now let's quickly just talk about what we're seeing in the gold and silver market right now. We've seen gold make a nice move up. We're, we're almost $200 off the bottom, Jerry. And I think part of that is because last year it, it was such an explosive move after between March and the end of summer that there was some technical, uh, you know, building up that had to be done, you know, filling in the gaps, etc. And here we are, gold is basically at at zero on the year. We're just uh, almost in the black. And I, if you look at where gold's returns over the years, its average has been about 11%. Last year, it was up about 23%. The year before that, it was up, I think, about 17%. So if we take a 20% gain from here, we're going to be up another couple hundred dollars plus, which I truly believe we will we will be at. Now, so I think that's a good thing. I think while all other commodities are, are seeing those double digits, you have an opportunity here to acquire some physical gold before we make those those bigger moves. Now, gold was pressing higher. You know, we kind of saw once it hit that 1775 mark, mm-hmm. you could really feel the psychology of the market change. There's a sense that, oh, we're, we're going to hit 18 here. And I think we've moved up $100 within several weeks of that move. The the next big constraint on silver is now, again, around that 28 range. I think we need to hold the 28 range. I think you need to see some creeping up on that 28, starting to push up against that 29 again. And then what will happen is you'll see that organized retreat on the part of the banks. You know, they seem to have a motivation to keep the prices a, a little bit contained because gold is the barometer of the health of the financial system. And so we don't want to see that skyrocketing, right? Because that would be very, very bad for the financial system. And people would just run out of stocks because they'd go, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. What is going on that gold is going so go, going so high? I better be getting out of cash and getting into physical gold, etc. So there's this organized retreat that happens. I think the next retreat on silver is going to be past $30 an ounce. I think that's going to be a big yeah. move. What do you think? Yeah, I certainly see that. Uh, starting at the gold price, gold prices peaked last August, um, and now and bottomed out early, uh, early in the year. But now we have retraced about you know about fifty percent of the losses. So we're we're on its way back. It's built a very bullish channel, 
and gold once breaks over once it breaks over the 1900 mark you know it probably can leap back up to 1960 real quick and once it confirms and holds the 1900 level silver will definitely in my opinion be well above 2930 Andrew McGuire actually uh, uh, reference the Basel three rules and as a result he sees uh, these rule changes coming up next month to be a massive boost for gold actually a $500 boost for gold and to tw 10 to $12 boost for silver over the next 12 weeks or five months so that's a very short term turnaround but yeah you're right as far as the the Fed goes we know every FOMC meeting that happens every month that could be a very good buying opportunity for for precious metals investors because the, the verbiage that they're using to try to quell the precious metals uh, demand and the allure of precious metals is to talk about tapering their balance sheets. So write that down, take notes. That is exactly the verbiage that is being spun right now from the Wall Street uh, Wall Street Journal, um, you know, various uh, financial reporters. They're using the taper, but we remember that when they tried to do the taper. The market nearly went upside down. The stock market was bleeding. So either way, if we have inflation or we have tapering the balance sheet, there's a tantrum on both sides. So remember, on every single dip, you buy your physical metals and you know you you, you hang tight, you hold it, and uh, and you position yourself for more topside. Yeah, you look. We're not financial advisors. We're here telling how our experiences of the physical gold and silver market. We are experts in the gold and silver market. So definitely speak to your advisor, get their advice. But we we truly believe, and, and many others believe, that you should have 10 15% of your net worth in physical metals. And just speaking of that, you know, if they're raising the requirements on mortgages in Canada, what happens if something happens on the interest rates and those start to rise? But gold is rising at a faster clip. That's your hedge, right? That's right? It can certainly act in that way. So you've got the Fed on the one hand, they've backed themselves into the corner, whether they start thinking that they're going to raise interest rates or they're going to they're going to taper there's going to be a tantrum it looks like they're it looks like they're itching mm -hmm. for the market to tank i don't know why but i just get that sense out there we have the basel 3 rules coming in saying you banks better have your physical gold but we're going to we're going to up the ante and make sure that hey you can have 100% of of uh, of the collateral against that if you do do that and you've got this movement into physical gold because inflation is everywhere and it's so obvious jerry some last moments uh, what do you think price rising is is andrew mcguire correct he ultimately is correct. You never know with the timing, but he is he's 100% right. And leave, you know, last uh, last remarks from myself, I guess it's more anecdotal. I have a client of mine, he's a good, really good friend. He's a, he's a CPA, he's an accountant, managing funds for a lot of high net worth uh, physicians. Uh, he's a great uh, neighbor of ours. And he basically is advising his clients uh, because he can offer that financial advice. He is a CPA and a CFA. Uh, you know, hedge if you have real estate exposure more than more than three doors, as they say in real estate. Hedge your debt, hedge the mortgage with silver. That's what he's done. He's recommending all of his clients to do the same. So that's some advice from a professional. If you want to get in touch with him, I'll be more than happy to share his information. Uh, but that's you know one one professional doing something um, in 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 light of all of these negative realities. He's actually telling people to do something tangible. He's actually providing some some avenues to defend against what, with what's coming. And I think that as well, the idea of sell in May and go away, this might not be the year for that. Stay on guard. 
Be nimble. Keep an eye on the gold and silver market. Make sure that you're ready for some action there. You've been listening to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us this week, and we can't wait to speak to you again next week on The Real Money Show. And you've been listening on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.